This is most certainly true. In the greatest act of selfless mercy, God sent His own Son into our world to die for your sins. And we can't stop talking about it. We now present this sermon, recently delivered at Grace, to you. First reading for today is recorded by the book of Ezekiel, the prophet, chapter 33. God, through Ezekiel, called his people to care for the straying and to hold before them repentance and life in our forgiving God. These words will also serve as the basis for today's sermon. Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the people of Israel. So hear the word I speak and give them warning from me. When I say to the wicked, you wicked person, you will surely die. And you do not speak out to dissuade them from their ways. That wicked person will die for their sin. And I will hold you accountable for their blood. But if you do warn the wicked person to turn from their ways and they do not do so, they will die for their sin, though you yourself will be saved. Son of man, say to the Israelites, this is what you are saying. Our offenses and sins weigh us down and we are wasting away because of them. How then can we live? Say to them, as surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they turn from their ways and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. Why will you die, people of Israel? The bad guys were trying to figure out which neighborhoods they wanted to target for their robberies. They had a long list of ten, and then they narrowed it down to two. Two neighborhoods that fit every description they were looking for, that fit what they and their evil intentions would describe as having potential for success. And then it was time to drive those neighborhoods, to put eyeballs on them one last time before making a final decision, and it worked. Driving through, it became clear and obvious which neighborhood should be hit. And it wasn't anything to do with the neighborhood they chose. It was everything to do with the neighborhood that they didn't choose because in that neighborhood, on the street posts and on the signs on the sidewalks, it said, Neighborhood Watch. Was it really? Those criminals asked Is it deeper than just those signs? Was there any content or substance behind it? Or is this like the sticker you can put in your window that says you've got an alarm system, but really you don't? The criminals didn't know for sure, but they couldn't take a chance, and so they cut that neighborhood off the list and went and hit the one that didn't have a neighborhood watch. And that's exactly the intention That's precisely the hope that a criminal will see a neighborhood watch sign, that they'll recognize that this is a neighborhood where people care about one another, their lives and their livelihoods and their property. This is a place where people are watching, watching out for one another. A place where people are trained and have made promises to each other that they will report any suspicious activity. 
That's the intention of a neighborhood watch program. But it's not just to scare the criminals away. Those signs and a program like that brings comfort and, and peace to the people who are residents there. To know that they have neighbors that actually do care. To know that they have people who love them and, and want them to maintain their livelihood and their belongings. It brings great comfort to someone who knows that neighbors are watching. But a neighborhood watch program, it's nothing new under the sun. There was a neighborhood watch program in effect in the Old Testament. Well, kind of. In every city, there was a group of people who were the watchmen. They would take turns having their shift sitting on the top of the city wall and and staring off into the distance and watching for danger. And looking for threats. And if anything popped up, if there were any threats, they would watch it. And if it came time to be the one to sound the warning, they would do it. They would blow their trumpets. They would sound the words of warning so that everyone would know that danger was approaching. You see people spread out around the cities. And there were plenty of people who lived outside of the city gates. But the watchmen would blow his trumpet and let them know that it was time to retreat. It was time to retreat to within the comfort and security of the city gates and the city walls. The people of the city trusted the watchmen, trusted the watchmen with their lives. And the watchmen knew how deadly serious their responsibilities were. There weren't going to be any whoopsies. There wouldn't be, I wanted to hear what the trumpet sounded like. They wouldn't put people into a frenzy for no reason. But when danger was there, real danger, they were the last line of defense. The last line of love. God uses that idea and that picture as he calls his prophet Ezekiel into service in the words that are before us today. God gives Ezekiel these words to say, but we can identify right away that it's not just Ezekiel that's a watchman. It's not just Ezekiel that God is speaking to. He's speaking to every single person here, man, woman, and child. God says to us, you are a watchman for the Lord. Which of the five senses do you think would be most important for a watchman to have? Someone who watches. You probably would say eyesight. I want a watchman with 20-20 vision. I want a watchman that can read the tiny little lines at the bottom of the eye chart. I need him to have a keen eye and to be able to see things before anyone else can. Isn't it interesting that that's not the sense that God pinpoints when talking about his watchmen? God says to Ezekiel, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. So hear the word I speak and give them warning from me. God pinpoints Ezekiel's ears. He tells him the most important sense that he has as a watchman is to have his ears open, to have keen Ears that can hear the words of the Lord, that can discern between truth and error in the words that are spoken, and can hear the words that God wants them him to speak to his people. Ezekiel served during the Babylonian captivity, so not a prophet in Israel in the north or Judah in the south. He was a prophet in a pagan land 
called Babylon. If Ezekiel would have had the opportunity to do a straw poll of the people that he served, if he would have asked them, what's the biggest threat that you face on a day-to-day basis? What's the biggest threat to a man? They would have said, the Babylonians. To a man, they would have said, this pagan empire that is forcing us to live here and, and restricting our movement, and that's precisely why God called Ezekiel to be a watchman. Because their answer was wrong. The Babylonians weren't the greatest threat that the people of Israel in captivity faced. Not even close. The greatest threat was one that they didn't think about on a day-to-day basis, and some of them may not have even known. The greatest threat that they faced was the threat called sin. The watchman would stand on the top of the city and he would, the city walls, and he would scan the horizon, waiting and watching for threats, but his job didn't end there. Not even close. The TSA in American airports has started a policy with a catchy phrase that says, see something, say something. It's not good enough to just see it. It's not good enough just to watch. It's not good enough to have a casual observance that says, oh, that's kind of strange. You've got to say something to someone who can do something about it. The same way for the watchmen. They didn't just keep a, a record, a catalog, a book that says strange things that I've seen at, on the front. No, a watchman had to do something about it. Just seeing was only half, not even half of his job. He had to say something. He had to call out to those who were in danger. He had to blow that trumpet so that people would know that danger was coming and that they could find safety. If he didn't, if he forgot, if he came up with an excuse to not say something, people's lives were in danger. If the watchman didn't sound the alarm when danger, real danger was there, people would get hurt or killed. People trusted the watchman with their lives. And the watchman knew how deadly serious their responsibilities were. God tells us as Christians it's not enough just to observe sin in the lives of other people. It's not enough to just take a mental note that seems off. Or maybe our sinful nature and its pride keeps a separate list reasons I'm better than that person. It's not enough to just watch. God calls on us to sound the alarm. God calls on us to speak words of warning and words of love to those that we see who are stuck in sin. God emphasized the deadly seriousness of being a watchman to Ezekiel when he says, when I say to the wicked, you wicked person, you will surely die and you do not speak out to dissuade them from their ways? That wicked person will die for their sin, and I will hold you accountable for their blood. Our job as a watchman is to warn people about the impending danger that sin poses in their lives. 
Our job as a watchman is to tell people the deadly seriousness of sin. Sin is a big deal. It's a deal that could cost someone their life, that could cost someone their eternal life with Jesus. We can't stand on the sideline. We can't just casually make our own little quiet secret lists. When we see something, love says something. Jesus says the same thing in our gospel lesson. If your brother or sister sins, go and show them their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. We are responsible for those that God has placed into our lives, responsible for those relationships that God has blessed us with. When we see sin rear its ugly head, love warns. When we see people turning their backs on God's law, turning their backs on what their Savior has to say, living their lives as if there is another way to everlasting life, love speaks. And it's true we can't make anyone listen, but it certainly is our responsibility to speak. There was a man who lived in Washington State in the year 1980. His name was Harry R. Truman, not Harry S. Truman, 33rd President of the United States, Harry R. Truman. He lived in a cabin on Spirit Lake, nestled at the bottom of Mount St. Helens. And when the earth began to shake, scientists warned of an impending eruption. And the local authorities agreed and they issued mandates for evacuations and everyone listened, everyone except for one, everyone except for Harry R. Truman. He told the scientists who showed him their data and he told the local officials who showed them the orders that he'd lived on that mountain all his life and he knew it better than anyone and nothing was happening and there was no danger. Do you know how many people died in the eruption of Mount St. Helens? One. Harry R. Truman. Fifty-six people died in the ash that followed, but only one died from the eruption itself, the one who was too smart to listen. The one who knew better than every one else, the one who rejected the fact that there was danger and tried to live it out on his own terms. If a watchman blows the trumpet and the people don't listen and they don't come into the city gates and they don't find safety and refuge there in the city, that's not the job or the responsibility of the watchman. That's on them. If we speak the words of God clearly and persistently, if we share those loving cautions and warnings with those around us, if we follow Jesus' steps in, in Matthew 18 and still people don't listen, that's on them, not us. But God calls on us to speak. Why is it? Why is it that the devil works so hard to silence the watchman? Why is it that he tells us that 
if you dare talk to someone about sin, you're going to jeopardize your relationship with them. If you tell them that they're wrong and that God demands a change in attitude and behavior, they're going to judge you and accuse you of judging them. Why is it that the devil puts every excuse and every worst-case scenario before our eyes? Why is it that he works so hard to silence the watchman? Because if he succeeds in silencing a watchman, he's silenced too. The one who continues on his merry and blissfully ignorant way down a path of sin and the one who loved himself and his own comfort more than speaking the words that he knew should have been spoken. The devil succeeds in two people or maybe more walking further and further away from Christ. On our own, we'd be pretty lousy watchmen. We would only watch when it was in our best interests. We would only say something to those that we didn't really care for in the first place or relationships that we considered to be dispensable. We can thank God that he doesn't love us the way that we love one another. God spoke to us the words that needed to be spoken. He announced to us his truths, even though they are sharp in our ears and in our hearts, even though they are words that we don't want to hear. God speaks them. He speaks to us the severity and the reality of our sins. He tells us what it's like to live without him. The consequences of sin means death here on earth and forever in hell, separated from God for an eternity. Those aren't fun words to hear but they're true and our God is willing to speak them. Willing to speak them so that they drive us like the law should, drive us to the foot of the cross, that they drive us to repentance. Because there we receive the forgiveness that only Jesus can offer. Jesus is the ultimate watchman. He's the one who speaks to us the words of warning, the words that need to be heard Yet he doesn't stop there. He speaks to us of safety and peace. God says, As surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they turn from their ways and live. God loves us too much to delight in our death, and so he turns us. He turns us from a life of sin to following him. He gathers us like a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. He gathers us into the shadow of his grace. And there we, we receive his forgiveness. And there we inherit the hope of everlasting life. Not based on our works, but based on his. Christ Jesus is the ultimate watchman. He sounds the words of warning for us, and then he does what no watchman ever did. He went and stood between us and that danger. He went and carried our sins so that we wouldn't be burdened by them anymore. He went and bore the full wrath of a righteous God, allowing himself even to be separated from him, allowing himself to be forsaken by God, allowing himself to give his life, to shed his blood so that our blood wouldn't shed, so that our lives 
would never end, so that we would remain whole. By his wounds we are healed. Christ Jesus was the perfect watchman, always speaking words of love, even when they hurt. Always there, ready to embrace us with his forgiving hug. Always one who loved us more than even himself. And now that our hearts have been filled with that hope and joy, now that everlasting life has been secured and freely given, we can be a watchman. We can sit up on the city gates, up on the city walls, and watch for danger that might come in the path of those around us. And when it comes, we can call it out. Not in a judgmental or arrogant way, but with the love and care and compassion of Jesus. We can be the watchman that Jesus was for us, for those around us. We can speak words of love, even when they hurt, even when they're pointed and sharp, because it's our hope and it's our prayer that those words of law drive our loved ones to the foot of the cross. That there they can look up and see a Savior who bled for them. That there they can look up and see a Savior who carried burdens so that they need not be wearied. There they can see a risen Savior. A Savior who didn't stay on the cross and didn't stay in the tomb but lives forever. King of kings and Lord of lords. It's a blessing to be a watchman. It's a blessing to have those ears tuned in to the word of the Lord the way that God did for Ezekiel. It's a blessing to have the privilege to have his words put on our tongues. But that's not where the blessing ends. Being a family of faith, being a gathering of believers, it's also a blessing to know that there are those watching over us. Not in a scary way. Not in a way that might seem like a threat, but to know that there are God-fearing Christians in my family, brothers and sisters in Christ, who care about me, who care about me and my walking down the path of salvation, who are willing to warn me when my steps go astray, who are willing to warn me about a threat that I might not see or might not want to see. They're willing to speak those words of love to me. What a blessing to be a family of faith. What a blessing to have someone Lots of someones willing to go out on a limb, willing to speak those hard words, willing to take some risks to show Christ-like love to me. What a blessing. That someone in my life, that many someones in my life might be willing to show the love of Christ to me. And may that blessing motivate us more and more to be the one that shows that love, that reflects that love, that lives that love, not just for those who gather in this place, but around the world. That those in our community maybe don't know Christ, but I can be a watchman. I can share with them words of gospel. I can share with them who Jesus is and why his words are important, eternally important. I can look for God's strength I can pray for opportunities that many, many more might hear the good news of Christ Jesus, our watchman, our substitute, our Lord.
God called Ezekiel to be a watchman, but it didn't stop there. You didn't have to wear the prophet's mantle to be a watchman. Pastors are watchmen, teachers are watchmen, elders are watchmen, parents are watchmen, fellow Christians are called to be watchmen for the Lord. And so my friends carry that task. Pray for his strength that you might do that task well. Keep your ears tuned to his word and keep your hearts in tune to the lives of those around you. That when called upon to do so, you might be a watchman for the Lord. That you might speak saving words, caution, or restoration into ears and lives that need to hear. My friends, be a watchman because everlasting life is our inheritance. Be a watchman because Christ Jesus has called us to do so. Be a watchman so that many more might join you in the mansions of heaven. And there are our days of being a watchman are over. And our days of being at peace as perfect people of God begin and never end. To God be the glory. Amen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about God's grace or to support this ministry, please visit gracedowntown.org today. This grace is for you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace.